1: This is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast. My guest today is uh, Teresa Rebelo pinto She's at the uh, CEMC, the Lisbon Sleep Medicine Center. So, Teresa, thanks for coming. How are you doing?
2: Hi, thank you. Thank you, Richard.
1: So, I just spoke to one of Teresa's uh, co-workers there, uh, Katia Heitz. Teresa, what's your particular focus on sleep? It looks like you work with uh, adolescents and developing kids. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's right. So I'm a psychologist and I work also as a psychotherapist and uh, as a sleep psychologist and sleep consultant. So my my work is mainly in the clinic, but also with the community. I work as a, as a consultant for schools and for companies and for uh, non-profitable organizations that ask for my help uh, related to sleep interventions.
1: So what ages of... Um... What kids do you work with, typically. Well, I
2: work mainly with adolescents in the clinic, uh, and it's a very critical age uh, regarding sleep habits and uh, behaviors. Um, but uh, in schools, uh, I have worked uh, since kindergarten until the university. So sleep is like a, uh, it's important in every age, of course. And uh, we think also it's also important to to develop sleep education strategies since early childhood, but uh, especially in adolescence that uh, usually represents a big challenge for sleep.
1: Yeah, you know, why? What happens with adolescents? I, I think people probably assume, oh, kids sleep great. You know, they just lay down, they fall asleep, they have no issues. But what's the reality <laughs> of it?
2: Okay, so it, it should be like that. So uh, if we let them sleep, maybe they could sleep better. But uh, the reality is that we're seeing more sleep problems uh, in early childhood, uh, mainly because, uh, uh, well, sometimes there are sleep sleep problems and people don't recognize them, so they don't ask for help and they get worse. Uh, and people should know there are some important sleep problems uh, Sleep disturbances during childhood that need uh, for help, but in adolescence there's like this. Uh, uh, it's the big storm, as Mary Karskaden, once. Uh, uh, she's a big uh, researcher in the sleep field, and she, because the adolescence, the the big storm, and the problem for sleep is that there are so many developmental change changes uh, in their biological rhythms. And adolescents have uh, later sleep times, so they internally, their sleep clock uh, is telling them to go to bed later, and then the school starts time uh, is earlier and earlier, so they are uh, giving less opportunity to to sleep, so they sleep less during the weekdays, and then they they sleep more during the weekends, and this is a, a terrible habit.
1: I have uh, three kids, and um, it's a fight to get them to go to sleep. But um, so, first of all, with kids, what um, their chronotype is later, they prefer to go to bed later. But how much later? What would be an ideal sleep time for an adolescent? You think?
2: Okay, so children are more like a morning type and early type, and then during adolescence, we start to to have later chronotypes, and uh, that difference could uh, it it depends. Uh, it's different from person to person. But uh, I think uh, maybe if you, if you have enough sleep, you can shift your, your sleep timing maybe two hours uh, later or something. But the thing is, uh, you should always uh, think about at what time do you have to get up? And the thing with adolescents is because the society is organized like that, they still need to wake up early. So you need to balance uh, and try to, to get enough sleep. And with adolescents, the case is uh, they should sleep at least eight or nine hours per night and every night, not uh, only on weekends, you know.
1: Well, because so, guess school, school start times are, uh, you know, are probably very difficult. They cause problems, right? Eh?
2: Yes, they are a challenge indeed and uh, also examinations uh, in uh, eight am for instance in Portugal sometimes you have uh, they have exams uh, very early in the morning or tests so it's very difficult to guarantee uh, successful rates or grades in schools uh, when they when they are being evaluated um, so early in the morning so something we could do what is to uh, reschedule examination timing, for instance, if you cannot change school start time.
1: Yeah, what are the school start times in Portugal? It's
2: between 8 and 9, but uh, right. they become earlier with age. Uh, so right. that's the opposite of our chronotype that becomes later, you know?
1: That's better than the U.S. In the U.S., the, the start times sometimes are 7.30 or 7 o'clock, but... Yeah, Yeah, I know.
2: I'm aware aware of that. But also in Portugal, we have everything very late. Okay, so it's usually to have dinner around 9 p.m. or sometimes 10. So uh, everything is very late. People go to bed very late. It's usually to to have adolescents wanting to to watch TV programs until 1 a.m. in the morning or later. So uh, it's true, it's not so bad comparing to the U.S., but also our, our habits, our lifestyle is very, very late.
1: I think I should move to Portugal because I'm like a, a serious night owl. I'd probably love it there, you know?
2: Well, I'm sure you would be great here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so if you, if you can't intervene in school starts the start times, what can parents do to help their kids sleep better? You know, what, what should they do? Okay,
2: so first of all, uh, everyone should enjoy sleeping. And sometimes children and adolescents, don't, they don't like uh, to sleep because they, they think uh, it's not worth it. They, they have so many things, uh, so many other interesting things to do. And uh, sometimes the case is they, they have no idea what happens during sleep. So they don't know the importance of sleep and uh, i think uh, adults may be more concerned with this and maybe more aware of the importance of sleep so to to start i would say that uh, it's very important to uh, raise awareness about the importance of sleep and explaining children what happens because i mean their their brain is so active during sleep time and many of them don't know that
1: i try to explain to them you know you need to sleep and this and that and you know, they'll say, oh, I can't go to sleep. I lay there. I can't fall asleep or, you know, it's funny. There was even a book I got edited by Samuel Jackson called Go the Fuck to Sleep. And I, I played that for them. And they just laughed instead of like, you know, bedtime stories don't seem to to help. It actually seems to make them like more active and more alert. So I just wonder if this strategy is to, uh, you know, to help them fall asleep faster. Do you, do you just lay with them and kind of talk? Or what do you recommend would work?
2: Okay, so I, I recommend uh, strategies that help you to, to slightly turn off from your daytime activity. Okay, so maybe you can choose better the, the stories to, to read at night, uh, or maybe you can read before and save some time to, to do something else before immediately before going to bed or turning the lights off. So uh, you have to think about physiology. Emotions and uh, cognitive um, uh, and thinking, right? So right. everything that that stimulates your thoughts, your emotions, positive or negative, and um, your your body is bad for you at night. So you should reduce lights. You should uh, decrease uh, uh, emotional content. Even in uh, during um, storytelling, right? So stories at bedtime are great, and uh, they are a great moment to connect with children and to give them comfort because it's also important for sleep. the The notion of comfort and uh, security, right? So right. bedtime stories are great, but maybe you need to work uh, with the with the content of that story. <laughs>
1: What do you mean, like tell them boring stories, like read the dictionary to them or read like psychology <laughs> manuals or what? what you
2: well, I'm not sure about manuals, but uh, maybe something that uh, allows them to enter in their dreams, you know, something that stimulates uh, the, the dream content. So it's like this is the 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 first part of your dream, the story I'm telling you about. And now you need to sleep and see how it all turns out during your dreams. Okay. For instance,
1: okay, there, is there a particular author or the particular stories that you think are super helpful for some reason?
2: Well, uh, I think that's very personal, but uh, uh, we in Portuguese we also translated it for English. There's a, there's this book where the sleep mechanisms and sleep functions, uh, like hormones and stuff, are characters, and so it's a it's a funny story. Because uh, it explains you what happens in your brain and in your in your body when you're sleeping, so you have like the growth hormone who who is telling you uh, your body uh, to grow during during sleep.
0: You have your
2: your memory working. You have your learning abilities. Uh, you have your body temperature working as well. So. Every sleep mechanism is a character, and uh, they order like it happens during your sleep. So you sleep in cycles, right? So everybody has to to appear in the right uh, time during the night, and uh, that's a funny story to tell them because it's not because it's boring. <laughs> I think I think the story is not boring, but I think it it helps them reassure that they can go to sleep, and uh, it's a good investment, you know. It's a good investment to to protect sleep and to go to sleep uh, early and to sleep uh, uh everything you need and not less uh to make your day uh, become easier and happier you know
1: I guess you could also tell them positive stories versus like horror stories that would probably keep anyone awake but um maybe positive stories with happy endings maybe maybe then find the structure of um the children's stories are like that at all. I don't know. Maybe they were the people that made them years ago somehow knew that a certain story with a happy ending would put people to sleep and make them, uh, you know, have a better sleep. I don't
2: know. I li- I usually ask them what story do they want to hear, you know. And uh, we also have here in Portugal an amazing project in hospitals where we go volunteer go to to pediatric units. In, uh, in hospitals, and, uh, read bedtime stories to them to help them sleep better. Because in hospitals, the sleeping condition is very friendly, as you know. Um, and uh, I, I am a volunteer at that project, and I usually ask them what stories do they like, or uh, what story do they want to hear. Uh, I think that's the best way to to uh, guarantee that the story is good for the children. Or, uh that night, you know? Okay.
1: What Just about the, uh, the same story versus different stories?
2: I think both both strategies uh, may be useful. Because uh, the same story, uh, it's useful because you, you need to repeat the same story. You need to read the same story over and over again to understand different parts of that story. So it's very important to hear the same story uh, a few times uh, in a row. A different story is also uh, uh, interesting because uh, now they have something new to think of, right? Mm. And uh, it's it's important to be stimulating, but not so much that uh, they they don't want to go to sleep.
1: Is it uh, any recommendation? Is it good to read to them in the bed when they're laying there, or is it better to sit and read <laughs> and they go lay in the bed? You know, because some, some sleep people say that you should only associate the bed with, you know, sleeping and you know, other stuff for adults, but for kids, how do you make sure the bed's only associated with sleep?
2: Uh, I don't think uh, there's any problem reading in the bed. With children, I think it's best if they are already laid down and uh, preparing to go to sleep. So sometimes they they will fall asleep during your story, and that's okay, no problem. I think that means uh, mission accomplished. (laughs) But um, but I think with children, uh, it's best if they are already in bed, And if you use the bedtime story as a a specific mark of uh, going to bed, because sometimes the case also with adults is, uh, and especially with adolescents, is that you go to bed and you don't go to bed to sleep. You go to bed, you bring your cell phone, you bring your laptop, you you watch TV, the television. So you use the bed for everything you do during the day or things you should do during the day. So with children, I think it's okay if they go to bed and if you read them a bedtime story in the bed, but it's important that you look at that story as something to go to sleep and not something else.
1: Right. Are there any other, uh, I don't know, any other practices to help kids? I mean, what we didn't even get into it, but what kind of problems do uh, adolescents have? Do they tend to have a lot of insomnia? Do they... Have night terrors.
2: Insomnia is the most prevalent sleep disorder with uh, adults and also with adolescents. But in adolescents, we have the delayed sleep phase uh, disorder, which is the one I was talking about previously. So it means that they have their sleep timing uh, delayed regarding sunlight. So in children, we have uh, behavioral uh, insomnia. So they refuse to go to sleep or they have... uh, Afraid of going to sleep, uh, and we have uh, night terrors and sleepwalking and uh, and that's it mainly. But also we have sleep apnea, which uh, which is a severe uh, respiratory um, problem, and that it happens also with children uh, so they should look into it. So if you think your children uh, is sleepy during the day uh, during daytime. Uh, or is um, with mood uh, changes, swings, if you notice something uh, awkward in uh, during uh, the night with her breathing or uh, some screamings or crying, something very bizarre or unusual, you should ask for help. Or if your children doesn't like to go to sleep and if it's a, it's a challenge in a way that uh, she's not sleeping enough, you should ask for help because there are some some behavioral and also some medical uh, strategies that uh, can be useful.
1: Do kids, um, I'm surprised that kids have apnea. Do they ever um, do they ever have like CPAPs for kids, or do kids uh, get treated differently than adults?
2: It depends of the apnea. So uh, most of the times with children, the problem is uh, with the the morphology of the the face and the respiratory uh, airways. So, uh, sometimes the strategies uh, with children are uh, surgical, but uh, sometimes, yes, you have uh, CPAPs and uh, something like that, adaptive for children, yes.
1: Children of uh, like myofunctional therapy where they do exercises, you know, to strengthen their throat, their tongue.
2: Well, it could work also with children, but you need to, to know first what type of apnea and why do they have apnea. Because if you have apnea because of your upper airway uh, morphology, you need to, to work on that. But if you're just having overweight or uh, different stuff, so you need to work also with losing weight and uh, uh, different lifestyles. But uh, it's very important to, to make the right di- diagnosis first. But with children, most of the times, it's problems with their amygdalas or their, their tongue. Uh, because they're very big or something like that, so you need to, or to remove them, or to to make a surgery to correct it. It's the most common situation with children.
1: Okay. what interventions I don't know can society or government do, if any, or is it really just at the individual parent level uh, where they can make change, or is it at the, at the school level? Mm-hmm. You know, what are what are suggestions? You know, if you had your way and everyone would listen to you. What kind of changes would you make at, let's say, the school level, the parent level, maybe even the government level?
2: Okay, so with the uh, with the parent level, I think parents should be aware of uh, how sleep works, and uh, they they should be able to promote the the most sleep friendly environment back at their homes. So first, give the example because many parents want their kids to sleep, but uh, the parents don't sleep well. So I think the example is a uh, very important, and then. Uh, you know, to to be attentive to their sleep patterns and to look for help if, if needed. In schools, uh, uh, you know, sleep is not part of the school curriculum. And it would be very easy to include sleep in biology or uh, even in uh, different uh, fields, you can work with, uh, with sleep, okay? So if you think that sleep uh, is related to everything you do, in school, and with every um, subject you study, uh, you can work from different perspectives. And uh, teachers in Portugal are our, our experiences that teachers from math, from uh, uh, exercise, from music, uh, teachers from Portuguese even they have worked with sleep education in different uh, in these different uh, subjects. You know, so it's possible to look to sleep to look at sleep and to uh, study sleep through different perspectives in school. And I think that would be a great challenge to teachers to insert uh, sleep in their curriculum. Also, uh, the society. I think society uh, should be more sleep-friendly in general because uh, nowadays, apparently, uh, you're smarter if you don't sleep well or sleep when you're dead and stuff like that. And uh, uh, in Portugal, we have uh, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, from football and uh, we use him uh, many times as an example because uh, he's uh, considered uh, the best player, the best football player in the world. And uh, he values sleep a lot. So uh, it's something that uh, we usually uh, say to our teens is that if you want to be successful, please sleep (laughs) and uh, sleep well, because uh, you are only going to be successful if you sleep right, you know. And uh, I think that's an important message uh, to everyone.
1: Any great examples of um, programs in schools or other programs that are having a big effect on people, positive?
2: Well, uh, we have seen some programs around the world. And uh, in the U.S., uh, there have been many initiatives uh, also, with volunteer uh, projects in the community, with uh, distributing pajamas and uh, bed kits to children in uh, in some social difficulties that uh, many times don't have the don't they don't have a good sleep environment. Uh, that's an example, a good example, I think. Um, it's called uh, beds for kids, I think, the, the initiative. And um, well, here in Portugal. Uh, we had this sleep schools project. Uh, It was a national program and uh, we developed this uh, model that uh, could represent an easy uh, tool for for, um, parents and teachers to look at uh, sleep-related factors and routines and to correct what was wrong uh, to healthy sleep practices. And uh, it was very impressive because... uh, uh, students from kindergarten until the university, as I was saying before, uh, were very participated with very uh, enthusiasm in this program. And so everybody was asking us to go to schools and to give them the tool so they can use them, uh, they can use it and to to reach better sleep practices. And it was very effective. So most of the, the students didn't know... Uh, there were sleep problems, for instance. They thought, well, everybody sleeps poorly, so they had no idea there were sleep disorders. So we explained what was an insomnia, uh, what were the consequences, uh, and they had no idea. And also they have no idea about uh, how sleep works. You know, they think they can sleep less and then they would sleep more than the next week and that's that's okay uh so they have uh, misconceptions about sleep mechanisms and functioning and uh it was very helpful to to help also teachers to learn about sleep so they can ask their students uh, questions you know so uh our experience was that we had uh, teachers uh, organizing for instance the sleep uh, marathon uh and uh, this the case was not to uh, who was sleeping more during one night. Uh, but uh, the case was like, uh, uh, who would respond uh, to more correct answers uh, regarding sleep or something like that. Oh. We had debates and everything. We had uh, plays, uh, books that uh, students wrote about it, but everything was made and proposed by students. So we would uh, uh, guide them through uh, some sleep content and then they would ask questions and propose something to do about that to uh, raise awareness, for instance, with younger uh, uh, students or something like that. So it was uh, the results were very good uh, regarding raising awareness and I believe also in changing sleep behaviors.
1: I would think you work mostly with parents, right, that are concerned about their children's problems
2: well we also worked with uh, with parents um but the case was uh, that parents also had many questions about their own sleep <laughs> so okay. of course of course parents are also worried about their children's sleep and uh, asking uh, what could they do to to improve uh, their children's sleep but the thing is i think most of the parents uh don't have um also so many uh, good sleep practices so I, that's why what I was uh, saying that it's a, a good starting point to to work with parents sleep first. So make the parents sleep good, and then I think it's easier to help their children sleep better.
1: Oh, you found that by helping the parents first, that works better than just going for the kids.
2: I think it's uh, it goes in both directions. You know, I think uh, uh, looking at their children's sleep is a good starting point for them. For them to start uh, valuing their own sleep also. So it's like... You know, a... it's
1: true. Like if you're a parent and you're not sleeping well, you're sleeping okay. Well, first of all, you'll be a better parent if you sleep better because you'll feel better. Of you'll course. Be more patient and everything. But I guess once you have sleep problems and you go through an intervention and you feel better and you sleep better, then immediately it would occur to you, oh, I better make sure my kids are okay because they seem to be grouchy like I was.
2: Exactly. I think that's the case.
1: So do you find do you have like um does the whole family come in and you talk to them all at once or do you individually counsel the children or the parents or you know what what seems to work best uh,
2: Usually it works best uh, a one to one appointment so uh, even if i need to go uh, with different uh, uh, persons in the family uh, it's better if i work first with uh, with children uh and then with parents and sometimes in the end i can uh, get them all together but uh, uh the the intervention i'm used to is uh, in the clinic so it's better if you work separately but sometimes there are uh there are persons who go to people's home and uh they they make an intervention with the whole family and uh sometimes uh, in people's uh, home but I'm not used to, to use that kind of approach. I think uh, when people come to my clinic, it's, uh, it's best to work in children with, uh, with them alone because if you are alone with them, you can work better with uh, uh, what, what are they afraid of. Uh, are they having nightmares? Um, are they um, afraid of uh, dying during their sleep or something like that?
1: Do kids think that a lot? That they'll die during their sleep?
2: Yeah, sometimes that occurs to them, and I think uh, it's a it's a healthy thing to to think about. Uh, but it's uh, worse uh, if you don't have a, a good answer for that. So if you if you if you become very frightened of that, uh, maybe you can uh, have um, fear of going to sleep. Yeah, but you can work with that. And uh, children are very they they learn very easily. So if you give them comfort and if you help them through their fears usually they they respond well
1: yeah, that makes sense Yeah. oh yeah that's an interesting thought because I've, I've worried about dying in my sleep a few times not a lot but uh, mm-hmm. I, I haven't thought about that in a very long time so hmm, mm-hmm.
0: interesting
1: yeah. and there was a movie here in the states like 20 30 years ago called uh, nightmare on elm street this guy freddie Kruger would you know go into people's dreams and kill them and now that I think about it, it was probably a horrible thing for for people's sleep back in the day. You know, as mm-hmm. are probably all horror movies. But uh.
2: well, dreams are wonderful uh, to think about because, and uh, I say that a lot to children. In your dreams, you are always the hero. So that's the main point. You can do whatever you want, and uh, we we actually think that uh, the the function of dreaming uh, is also about that it's for you to be able to experiment a different reality like uh uh some place where you can uh try different strategies for the same problems you know so if you sure. dream with uh, with something that scares you and sometimes you awake during that nightmare right um and you I don't know. want to go back to sleep because you're afraid of uh going back to that uh to that bad dream uh, we work with children and explain them how to change the dream end. So if you are the hero in your dream, what what would you like to do in your bad dream? Okay, And um, something great, <laughs> apparently. So uh, most of the times they have brilliant ideas and children are very creative. And uh, you just need to work uh, with their own ideas, you know, and just help them transform them.
1: Okay, right. very good. So, what's the um, what's the best way for people to uh, to get in touch and to find more about the sleep center and you know to get counseling or get help? What, what would you recommend? How, would they, how should they get in contact? Well, I think
2: online there are many uh, information nowadays. So, if people look for for sleep consults, they 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 can very easily find uh, some sleep uh, specialist nearby. Here in Portugal, there are um, a few medical doctors specialized in sleep. And it's very important if you look for sleep specialists because uh, sometimes people um, know some kind of uh, therapy for sleep, but they are not sleep specialists, you know, because sleep is a very complex area and it involves uh, many different uh, biological, uh, behavioral and social uh, issues and uh, family issues so uh, you should look for uh, medical doctors or psychologists or or uh, other uh, clinicians but there are sleep experts and you have uh, american uh, certifications and you have european certifications here in portugal we are still very early in those certifications but um, you you have a few specialists uh, that uh, that received certifications from the U.S. or from the European um, Research Society, uh, sleep research society. So you should look for them. I think it's very useful because you know if you if you have uh, one technique for sleep, like one recipe, it's very um, it's uh, it's dangerous because uh, you need to evaluate sleep uh, complaints and sleep problems uh, in a deep way and uh, in uh, in a way that sometimes those, uh, those persons that know one technique for going to bed uh, uh, and sleep right away, uh, I usually don't uh, recommend those people because they use the same recipe for everybody. And, you Bye. know, you need to, to do a proper diagnose uh, diagnosis. And uh, sometimes they, they misdiagnose, for instance, a sleep apnea because they treat a, a children's sleep complaint also always like an insomnia. And sometimes, you know, they they are having troubles uh, breathing during the night. And uh, if you don't have a sleep uh, background, uh, you don't uh, know how to evaluate that or to recognize that pattern. So I always say to people, too, that, uh, you know, sleeping is a a survival function. So your body knows how to sleep if you let him uh, sleep and if you give him the proper conditions. Um, So if you respect your schedules, uh, if you don't have many uh, sleep disturbances like uh, electronic devices and stuff like that, uh, but still, if you are having the the right conditions and you you still have troubles going to bed or or sleeping uh, with quality, I suggest you go and ask for help as soon as possible. Otherwise, your sleep problem will just continue to get worse and worse and uh, it's not worth it.
1: Okay, well, very good. Well, Teresa, thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you. I hope I could give you some insights about uh, the importance of sleep education since early childhood. And thanks again for inviting me. It was a pleasure.
0: You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, blockchain,